I'm actually so excited to be here, and it's my first time in Manchester. So uh, last night we got some awesome curry, and I hadn't had that good curry in a long, long time. And I got to really connect with your pastors, Phil and Sarah. I've known Phil for a while, so I uh, got to meet his family too, and we're part of this group that, like he said, uh, we gather together, and uh, it's basically just to encourage each other. So it's, uh, Phil's been out with us in Brazil before, and uh, now I get to be here with you guys, and so this is super encouraging. And um, how many of you know God's doing amazing things across the globe? And uh, it's, it's awesome that we can get to hear what God's doing and that just, it just you know, it just increases our faith. And, and uh, tonight, I just, or this, this morning, I want to just share real quick with you some of the Lord's been speaking with me. And um, this morning, actually, I woke up to a text. My wife, Junia, uh, we've been married for close to seven years. We have two boys. Uh, Zach is three, Koa is one. And uh, they, they're, they're back home in Brazil. And uh, Junior will uh, be joining me uh, in two, three days here in, uh, in England soon. And, but uh, she was, whenever I travel, she usually stays with my in-laws. And uh, they kind of help out with the kids. Uh, but she had a, uh, you know, my wife grew up in, in a church that really didn't believe that the gifts were operating till today. And uh, what happened really was she, she came to church and the Holy Spirit just took a hold of her and uh, got filled with the Holy Spirit. And then she kind of stuck around and I got married to her. So that's kind of like the, 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 the short version of how we got together. And, and the crazy thing about it, though, is uh, they were so she, she texts me uh, this morning and she says, you know, I was, last night I was watching TV with my aunt after dinner and uh, uh, the conversation uh, starts and, and my aunt says, you know, I. I'm, you know, I'm deaf of one of my ears for 25 years. And uh, my, my wife asked her, what, haven't, hasn't anybody prayed for you before? Everybody goes to church in her family. And, and she's like, no, no, not really. And why don't we pray for you right now? And uh, so they turn off the television and uh, my wife prays for her aunt. And a very, you know, on the couch, just prays for her aunt. And her aunt says, well, I'm hearing this buzz. It's like, bzzz, and there's like this pain. And, and, and well, obviously something is happening. So if that's you, Lord, more. And, and so they kind of go for that for a little bit longer. And maybe 15, minute, 15 minutes later, her end is completely healed. And uh, her deaf ear is totally open. And uh, so I wake up to this testimony and my wife says, you know what? There's things in our lives that Lord Ashley wants to bring breakthrough. And we get used to them not having breakthrough. And, and so this morning is just something that I want to just throw out there. Maybe there's things in your life that the Lord actually wants to, you know, one of my prayers is, Lord, uh, put inside me a divine insatisfaction. And it's a dangerous prayer, but it's actually the prayer that has always taken me into greater breakthrough. Uh, unless you become dissatisfied with your current condition, you probably will not really have faith for the next breakthrough in your life. And so um, I, 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 I was so encouraged by that this morning. And it ties into what I wanted to share this morning out of Luke. So if you can, just open up the word with me. And um, we're going to go into Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. And uh, I want to share something that actually began uh, a journey in my life in the beginning of this year. Or actually before the, the turn of the year, it was late December after Christmas. I was praying and uh, we were in vacation and, and I was praying and I was ready to go for a list. You know, I usually in last uh, years of my life, I've always done a list of the things that I feel the Lord is calling me to, you know, you know, just 
go for that and just take care of the, the, these things on this, the items on this list. And I was, I was ready to do this. And, and I felt the Lord say, you know, it's, I don't want you to do that kind of list. And I was like, Lord, I've always done this list. And I felt the Lord say, no, I don't want you to do the, that kind of list because I, I, I want you to look at it at another angle. And, and the angle was, it's not the things that I need to do, but the Lord asked me, who, who's the person that you need to become in 2019? Not the things that you need to do in 2019, but who's the person you need to become in 2019? And, and I, I started meditating on that and I started saying, Lord, I, I need to become a better son. I want to be a better son for you, Lord. Uh, I want to become a better father to my kids. I want to become a better husband. I want to become a better pastor. I want to become a better leader. And, and uh, based on those things that I want to become, uh, what are the disciplines that will actually help me to become that? And as I was reading uh, uh, Luke 9, I, I felt the Lord speak to me on the things that I needed to become. And to actually get to the person I needed to become in 2019, there are things that the Lord was actually saying, I need you to watch out for these things. And I want to share these points that I felt in my spirit that the Lord is actually pointing out things that I need to watch out. But if you can, just follow with me. Verse 1, Luke 9, verse 1 says that Jesus calls the 12 disciples together and gives them power. Say with me, power. All right, the, the word power here, the original Greek is dunamis. And, and that's actually the name of the movement that I, I lead. Uh, we put the name dunamis because I felt the Lord speaking to us about, you know, this explosive power of the Holy Spirit. So, so in Greek, there's four words for power. And, and dunamis specifically is the explosive power of the Holy Spirit through signs and wonders. Um, I was sharing a little bit about my story here, uh, first service. And I was telling them how, you know, I actually spent uh, uh, 1990, 91, there were uh, years of my childhood I actually spent in this country, in England, in Southampton, towards the south. And um, later on moved back to Brazil and then moved to America to, to go to school and, and, and uh, stayed there. And as I was in America in school, uh, I got hired in as a, a youth pastor at, a, at a, a very large church in North Carolina and, and uh, you know, just serving there. And suddenly I kind of found myself as the successor of the senior pastor as, at 27 years old. And, and the senior pastor was saying, I've, I'm called to Africa. I'm going to leave, but I'm, I want you to pick this thing up and you're going to, you know, it's, it's a mega church in America. And he said, there's so many opportunities for for you here and and I felt like man I'm finally living out the prophetic words that I've had all since my childhood and and finally the promises of the Lord I had I had people telling me tell you paid a price and now the Lord is honoring you and and even though that sounded good it just didn't feel right and I remember I was in a season of prayer and fasting and and I was praying and I felt the Holy Spirit ask me once are you going for the kingdom dream and I, when the Holy Spirit asks you if you're going for the kingdom dream, you just say yes. <laughs> That's what I said. I said yes. And then he once again asked me, are you going for the kingdom dream? And I said, yes, Lord. And, I, and you know, I was praying and, and, and I felt the Lord ask me a third time, are you going for the kingdom dream, Tell, or are you going for the American dream? And I said, Lord, I'm, you know, I started off going for the kingdom dream, but I feel like now I'm maybe got distracted going after the, the American dream. And the Lord says, I want you to go after the, Ameri or the kingdom dream and not the American dream. And, and that took me to a place where I, I had to go before some of my leadership. And I said, you know what? 
I'm so flattered that you would consider me for this, but this is not me, and, and, and the Lord's calling me for something else, and uh, I feel like I need to, you know, take, make some hard decisions here, and it was, it was a time of my life that after 11 years in America, I said, you know, I'm, I'm giving up this, this route to citizenship, and I'm giving up this, this vision for ministry here, and, uh, and, and I said, Lord, what do you want? And I felt the Lord say, you know, I got reminded of, of this quote of one of my faith heroes, Bill Bright, the founder of Campus Crusade. He, would, he used to say, if we win the campuses today, we will win society tomorrow. And I felt the Lord say, you know, Brazil, your home country has been going through a lot of awakening. It's been going through a lot of just church growth, and that's awesome. But I really believe, you know, that uh, uh, just the parentheses, you know, true revivals actually culminate with the awakening of the saints. It goes on to the harvest of the lost, but it will end up in societal transformation until the kingdoms of this world become the kingdoms of our God. And so I felt Lord saying, you know, you're part of a generation. You guys need to bring it home. And I want you to go back to Brazil, and I want you to start reaching the university campuses until the future leaders of societies, uh, the society are so so full of the kingdom DNA that they will actually uh, be the ones that will take the kingdom into politics, into business world, just like what we heard right now, which is beautiful, uh, into, you know, education and, and, and art and entertainment and so I moved back uh, maybe 2008 yeah early 2008 moved back and um, started going into the campuses and when I went to the campuses I found out that people were actually sick of religion they were sick of religion but they were hungry for spirituality and that's when I decided to say Lord I want to go for dunamis for the power. And, and, and I started understanding that if we would just go with the prophetic word and not call it prophetic and not go with like, thus saith the Lord, just, just go like you talk every day out in the streets and, uh, and suddenly it would be like a key that would turn the, the, the you know, it, it opens up the heart and suddenly dunamis power. People are getting healed. Uh, you know, we were seeing people uh, just discovering who they were through the prophetic and that started expanding the work of God inside these campuses. They, they, they would actually say, listen man, I, I want spirituality. And so we said, we have a spiritual meeting. If you want to come out, we'll, we'll do this spiritual reading and we'll do, you know, spiritual meditation and everything was spiritual and, and people were like wow man we're hungry for that kind of stuff and what started off in this one university in Sao Paulo uh, 2008 today is in 450 universities across the nation in South America and a few of them here in Europe as well and, and uh, we're seeing the Lord expand that but dunamis power has been the, the, the thing that has really uh, uh, opened up the hearts of a generation and so when Jesus says he gathers his disciples and he imparts to them power Say, I'm giving you power to actually heal the sick, to, to cast out devils. And, and this is what he says, uh, verse 1, if you follow with me, he says, I gave you power and authority. Say with me, authority. So it's not just power, it's authority. And the word authority here is exousia in Greek, which means jurisdiction. So it's like a power within a jurisdiction. And I'm reminded of, of Acts 1-8 when, when, when Jesus says, you know, I give you authority and, and you will be my witnesses in, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. How many of you believe that Manchester belongs to the ends of the earth? Amen. Sao Paulo belongs to the end of the earth. And so, and so wherever I go, I'm like, wow, we're, we're, we have jurisdiction to preach the word here. We have jurisdiction to manifest kingdom here. So Jesus gives his disciples power, the authority over all demons and to cure diseases. Verse 2, he says, and he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. 
Now, verse 6, if you can jump with me to verse 6, says here, So they departed, and they went through the towns, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. So, so this is the crazy thing about Jesus. If you look at the four gospels and you make like a summary of what Jesus did, you'll come up with four things. Jesus taught the gospel of the kingdom. Jesus preached the gospel of the kingdom. He healed the sick, and he cast out demons. Basically, that's, that's the four things he's done over and over and over and over. And, and the crazy thing is, if you see, uh, if, you, if you look at what's, what's teaching and what's preaching, the difference there is that when you're teaching the gospel, you're actually explaining something. So it's like the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. How many of you remember that passage? So, so he's explaining the kingdom of God. And then when you preach the kingdom, yes, you proclaim it, but there's actually a component of a prophetic declaration. And many times when Jesus would heal the sick, he would heal the sick and he would say, the kingdom of God is here. He would cast out demons and he would say, the kingdom of God is near. He, basically, he's trying to train people's eyes to realize in what's kingdom. You know, so, so John the Baptist shows up and he's saying, repent for the kingdom of God is near. Basically saying, repent, metanoia, the Greek word for renewal of your mind. If you, change, if you don't change the way you think, the kingdom of God can pass right in front of you. You'll never recognize it. And he's saying, Look, listen, I'll, I'll, I'll teach you on the kingdom. I'll proclaim it because nothing in the kingdom happens before a declaration. Does that make sense? So he's declaring something in the spirit realm. And then he'll just wait for it to manifest in the physical realm. And he'll say, bring in the sick people here. I'm going to just manifest kingdom. And so healing basically is just a manifestation, a physical manifestation of kingdom reality. And, and so when Jesus is doing this, his disciples are following him. And in Luke 9, he does, he does impartation and sends them out and says, you go do it. And in verse 6, they did it. Now, verse 10, if you can follow with me here, verse 10, the disciples or the apostles, they had, when they had returned, told him all they had done. I mean, what did they do? They did exactly what Jesus taught them to do. Preach the kingdom, manifest the kingdom. You talk about it, you show it. You, you teach the kingdom, you cast out demons, and you heal the sick. That's what they did. And then he took them aside privately into a deserted place belonging to the city called Bethsaida. So, so imagine this. So Jesus is there. He has all his disciples return from their ministry trips. There's so many stories, so many testimonies. And he says, guys, it's been a while since we've all been together. Why don't we do a retreat? We're going to go to this place in bedside. It's deserted. It's out in the country. Nobody's there. And we're going to have quality time together. We want to hear all the testimonies. And when they do that, in verse, uh, when you look at me here in verse uh, 11, the multitudes knew it and they followed him. And he received them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who had need of healing. So basically what happened was the multitudes crashed the disciples' retreat. And so they, they were going to have a retreat. And when they get there, the multitudes are there. And Jesus, like always, full of compassion, looks at the needs. And he says, all right, guys, I know we had a retreat plan here, but uh, just hold on real quick. And let me teach you about the kingdom. And he teaches the kingdom, says, bring in the sick people. The sick are getting healed. People are getting delivered. People are getting encountered by the Holy Spirit. It's awesome. How many of you would agree with me if Jesus is teaching and if he's healing, that's revival, right? And that's exactly what's happening. And verse 12, come with me here. Verse 12 says here that when the day began to wear away. Say with me, when the day began to wear away. Now, now that's a key phrase. 
And as I was praying towards the end of last year, I felt the Lord say to me, you know, it's, it's not about what you're going to do in 2019. It's about what you'll become in 2019. And I felt the Lord speaking to me, you know, for you to become the person that I want you to become, there's things that I need you to face. And, and, and uh, just a quick thing, you know, um, me and Phil, we, we've had six years of history and we have mutual friends, uh, friends that are doing amazing things around the globe. And, and uh, it's, it's so encouraging to hear testimonies. How many of you love breakthrough testimonies here? I love it, and it just so inspires me. But, you know, I started understanding that even in the midst of breakthrough, even in the midst of revival, in the midst of altars being packed out with people that are hungry for God and being touched by God, people that are getting healed, you know, there's things that it's actually possible that you could actually be losing in the midst of revival. And that's what exactly what the Lord was talking to me. He was saying, like, Dale, you're doing good. Your church is growing. You're doing good. You got a good family. You're doing good. You got two books out. It's doing good on sales. You're doing good. You know, the campus ministries are growing. You just bought this huge property you guys are building. That's good. But the day is wearing out. I'm like, Lord, well, what are you talking about? And I felt the Lord bring me back to Luke 9, 12. And, and he was saying, listen, there's things that you need to face. That actually the day was wearing out while Jesus was healing the sick. The day was wearing out while Jesus was preaching the gospel. The day was wearing out while people were getting delivered by demons. And, and, and it's, it's crazy this thought that you could actually be on the verge of tragedy in the midst of revival. Like towards like November last year, one of my, my faith heroes back in Brazil, this strong apostle that I looked up to him like, man, 30 plus years of ministry, just church planning and just, you know, just such a pioneer. And, and suddenly I get the news of a moral failure. I mean, I was so depressed the day that I received that news. And I felt the Lord saying, you know, the day's wearing out. You're not there. It's not like you're in a moral failure, but you could actually be losing in the midst of church growth. You could actually be losing in the midst of packed out altars. And I'm thinking, Lord, this is exactly what's happening. It's as if Jesus, he was looking at the sun as he was teaching, and the sun is coming down, and he's looking at his disciples and thinking, is anybody going to address the problem? No? Okay. I'll continue healing. Bring me the deaf ears. Bring me the blind. And he's healing people. Bring me the lame. And they're getting up. And he's looking. Anybody? No? Okay. Well, I'm going to teach a little bit more about the kingdom. And he goes on for another two-hour teaching. Anybody? And finally, somebody's mature enough to say, Master, verse 12. He says, we have a problem. And he goes, send the multitude away that they may go into the surrounding towns and country and lodge and get provisions for we are in a deserted place. See, the thing is that they were actually getting encountered by God and the kingdom of God is being manifested in Bethsaida. But the thing is that in a matter of a couple hours, it would be tragedy. It would be all dark. The theologians say there's probably a six mile hike to the next town. So they probably didn't, they haven't had food the whole day. They probably faint around. I mean, you know, as they walk back home, they're probably fainting. The kids are fainting. Uh, there was robbers in the streets at night. It, it would have been tragedy. We look at 5,000 people there, but it's counting men. So it would probably be around 15,000 people total with men, women and children included. And so it's a tragedy that's about to happen. And nobody is addressing it because we're having revival. And Jesus is... Nobody? 
And he's like, I'm not. You know, this is what I, I felt the Lord say to me. I will not stop your church growth even though you're not taking care of things that you need to take care of. Because I realize it's not about me. It's about people that are coming hungry for a touch of God. And if he can use a mule, he can use me. Does that make sense? And so the Lord starts speaking to me of, of things like, if you want to become the person that I want you to become in 2019, face the problem. Say with me, face the problem. The problem is the day's wearing out. The problem is, yes, you've had stuff happen to you in your life, tale, but, you know, you can't blame that forever. you got to take care of those issues. Yes, the problem is you're not a moral failure, but if you don't fix this thing, 20 years down the road, you might be. That's the problem. Does that make sense? And, and, and a lot of times, I don't know about you, but I've been in places where I see the Lord move, and, and this is awesome, but in the back of my mind, there's that thing that says, hey, but you're doomed for a failure, but you're doomed for this, and you're doomed for, and, and it's kind of like I was talking to a buddy of mine, he's a doctor, and I said, you know, it's, it's, it's and he says, I see that with my patients all the time. It's kind of like you wake up with a stomach ache, and you don't talk to anybody about that stomach ache. You just keep it to yourself, and after two, three days, the ache is still there. And then suddenly things are happening in your mind. It's like there's games being played in your mind, and you're thinking, maybe it's cancer. Maybe it's something horrible. Maybe I'm going to die. Maybe it's contagious. Maybe it's, I don't know, my kids will have it. And, and you're going through craziness inside your mind because you never brought language to it. Does that make sense? And the Lord is talking to me about communication. And now communication is so key for the person I need to become. Because when I come to the doctor, that's the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit says, what's your problem? Holy Spirit, I got a problem. I got an ache. Okay, I think it's going to be horrible. No, hold up. When did it start? It started this day. What, what, what has been your journey? And I bring in my problem and communicate it with language to him. And so automatically I take it out of the implicit, this chaos without structure, and I bring it to the explicit through language and start bringing structure in order. And yes, we have a problem, but the Holy Spirit will look at that problem and say, all right, it's not this big doom cloud of darkness. It's this problem. And we'll deal with this problem. And this is the diagnosis, and this is the action plan. Does that make sense? And so when I felt the Lord say, yes, you could be doing a lot of great things in ministry, and you could be doing a lot of great things through your ministry in the different spheres that you serve in the city of Manchester, through business, through politics, through education, in your family, through the arts entertainment. But the thing is, if you really want to reach what God has for us, we'll have to face the problem. Verse 13 Jesus, after they're mature enough to face the problem, says, you give them something to eat. And that's, I find that crazy because, you know, so many times I've come to the Lord and said, Lord, finally, I'm humble enough to face the problem. And now you tell me to do something about it? But I haven't realized he actually gave me power and authority. And now I've got to put that to use to face the problem and fix it. And he says, and they said, now this is the disciples' reaction to when he says, you give them something to eat. They say, we have nothing more than five loaves and two fish. And see, that's a little contradictory because in my version here, it says we have nothing more than five loaves and two fish. Five loaves and two fish could be something small, but it's not nothing. 
And usually when the Holy Spirit comes and says, I need you to do something, you say, Lord, I can't do it. I don't have money. I don't have the capacity. Lord, I, ha I don't have the gift things. I don't have the talents. And, and the Lord says, no, 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 you have something. You just judge it as it's nothing, but it's something. It could be small, but it's something. Does that make sense? But for us, it's like in our defensive you know, uh, posture, we're like, oh, it's nothing. And, and, and then we all go on to suggest to the Lord how we need a breakthrough. We say, like he says here in verse 13, We have nothing more than five loaves and two fish unless, unless we go and buy food for all these people. Uh, what are they trying to do here? They're actually trying to suggest, Jesus, you could actually fix this the way we want you to fix it. You could actually fix this without, without having to take me out of my comfort zone. I want your breakthrough without having to go out of my comfort zone. So Jesus, I need money. This is what we need. We need money to go buy in the market a lot of food, truckloads of food, and we'll bring it out to this field, and people will be fed, and then we've got, get, got it all fixed up. Jesus, do you have money? And Jesus says, I'm not going to do the miracle like you want me to do the miracle. I'm going to do the miracle like I feel I need to do the miracle. And then he goes on and says to them, make them, verse 14, make them sit down in groups of 50. And they did so and made them all sit down. Now, this is the crazy thing about it is they're sitting people down when they haven't had the food yet. And they're, they're like counting, one, two, three, 47, 48, 49, 50. Now you guys make a big circle. You sit down here. And they go on and go, one, two, three, 47, 48, 49, 50, big circle. And, and the disciples are doing that because Jesus made the disciples do that. And the people are looking at the disciples asking, hey, you got to sit, sit us down. Do you have the food? Not yet. Why are we sitting down? Just hold on. The food's going to come. How's it going to come? J just chill out. So it's like Jesus is positioning them into a place of tension because I've found out that many times it's not about the miracle. It's not about the breakthrough. It's about what God is doing in our hearts as we go for the breakthrough. And he's actually trying to put them out of their comfort zones and actually build a resilience inside of them Because, yes, he'll come through. He just hasn't told them how. And they're right there just being obedient. How many of you know that many times you'll take faith, steps of faith and obedience, and you won't see anything? All you see or all you hear is the word of the Lord. And it doesn't make sense. But he's actually honoring your radical obedience. And then verse 16, this is what it says. Then he took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he blessed it, and broke them and gave them to the disciples to set it before the multitude. Now, this is the crazy thing about it is I remember when I came back to Brazil and I was like, Lord, D, can you use me? I just, I just felt so inadequate. I don't, I don't know how many of you have felt so inadequate and incapable of doing what the Lord has asked you to do. I, I feel that I kind of find myself in that position quite a, a lot of times throughout my life. And And I'm like, Lord, can you use me? And, and a lot of times when I come with that question, he answers back with another question. What do you have in your hands? That's the question I get. Lord, can you use me? Can you move through me in supernatural ways? Can you, can you operate miracles through me? And the Lord will ask me, what do you have in your hands? Oh, I have nothing but two, two fish and five loaves. No, you got something. Don't say it's nothing. It's something you may think is not much, but what do you have in your hands? I've kind of come to find out that the Lord actually uses the little that we have so that he won't have to share the glory. It's, it's as if the Lord says, you know, I don't know how many of you have had breakthroughs, like in the last minute. 
And you ask, Lord, why didn't you come before? You always knew you were going to come through. It's like, why didn't you come like two years ago? Why didn't you come last month? It's got to be like the last day. Because there's something that he's doing. He's setting us up to a place where he, we will give him all the glory. And, and, and at that time, he, he asked the disciples, what do you guys have in your hands? You've been obedient to face the problem. You've been obedient to sit them out in groups of 50. Now I want to do the miracle the, my way. What do you have in your hands? Lord, we have nothing but five loaves and two fish. That's enough for me. He gets it. Verse 16. He blesses it. He raises up to heaven, blesses it, breaks it, and gives to the disciples that they may give out before the multitude. Now, this is the, the key thing about this, is that the multiplication, that we know the miracle of the multiplication of the loaves and the fish, did not happen in Jesus' hands. If you look at the text, he lifts it up, he asks for the blessing to come upon the elements, and then he breaks the, the five loaves, so it's like ten disciples, each with half a bread, and two disciples, each one with one fish. And he looks at them and says, go. What do you mean? I mean, go. I got half a bread. Go. And I can imagine Peter coming to the first group of 50, the same group he had to tell them to chill out. And he's got half a bread. And they're looking, are you going to feed us with half a bread? 50 people without a bread. And Peter has a decision to make. Will he trust God? Because see, it's not, it would have been easier if Jesus would have just raised it up and says, Blessed Lord, and suddenly, it would be falling bread and fish from the sky. But it doesn't say that in the text. It says that Peter broke, or the disciples broke the bread, and one by one, they started feeding the multitude. And I can imagine the first time they just break it in their hands. Whoa! Something's happening here. And across the field, somebody's yelling, another disciple, it's multiplying. And Jesus is taking them on a journey. Not about one step of faith for one breakthrough, but 5,000 steps of faith for 5,000 breakthroughs. And I think that's what it's all about this morning. Just like in Exodus 4, Jesus or the Lord God asks Moses, what do you have in your hands? I got a piece of stick. I can use a piece of stick to take 2.5 million people out of Egypt. Just like what happened in 1 Samuel 17. David, what do you have in your hands? I got a sling and I got five stones. I'll use that to take down a giant. Like what happened like in, in, in Judges with Samson. What do you have in your hands? I got a jawbone of a mule. I'll use that to slay a thousand Philistines. And again, he's doing that. It's not something that he'll sometimes do. It's, it's his pattern. It's his way to using the little that we, we deem to be nothing, but it's small in our hands and say, Lord, if you can just bless it, we'll take steps of faith. It'll multiply it. It'll feed a multitude. If I could get the band up here, please, I appreciate that. But this is what I feel in my heart today. I feel Holy Spirit is talking to us, and he's saying there's things that we need to face. There's things that are implicit that we need to bring to the explicit. We need to bring language around it. And after we do that, that's the first sign of, of us being faithful to steward the next breakthrough. And as we do that, the Lord is saying, I'll ask you to take steps of obedience. And a lot of times it's not going to make sense. It'll be like you putting groups of 50 with no food. And then the Lord will say, what do you have in your hands? And Lord, I, I judge this to be nothing. But the Lord is saying, no, 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 it's something. 
And I want you to break that and take steps of faith because I want you to have a lifestyle. A lifestyle. Not only one event, but it's about a lifestyle of breakthroughs. A lifestyle of the supernatural. So right now, wherever you are, if you just close your eyes, I want to pray with you. I feel even for this church, uh, Vine Life, I feel like the Lord saying, it's been quite a journey. And um, I feel like this, it's been like this, I see a trajectory. And uh, I've, I've talked to Phil before. And I know there's greater breakthrough coming. But it's as if the, the, the past years before the breakthrough, the Lord's actually generating or he's, he's actually building something in your inside. And it's, it's a resilience that will actually make you good stewards of greater things to come. So I, I, I know there's a breakthrough coming in terms of a building of a, of a campus. I know there's a, a breakthrough coming in terms of your reach inside the universities. I see the breakthrough coming financially as well. I see breakthrough coming coming in terms of reaching out to the, to the poor in the city and even the city looking at the church and asking, how can you help us? Can you give us solutions to the problems that we have? That a breakthrough inside political influence. I, I see that in the spirit, but it's as if, you know, a lot of people will just, it's, the Lord will uncover you and, and there will be like this exposition of who you are as vine life. Many people will think, ah, they just showed up. They, they don't know. You've been faithful facing the problem. You've been faithful sending people down in groups of 50. You've been faithful giving your lunchbox to the hands of the master. You've been faithful getting half of bread and splitting it in front of people. And so, Father, I thank you for this church that as they're about to walk into greater breakthrough, I know you're continuing. I feel like you're in the, your, your last stretch of building this resilience and this character within you that will be able to steward greater breakthrough. So, Father God, I pray that even as they're in this last stretch, that you will continue to, you know, your word says that he who began a good work in us will be faithful to complete it. Complete this cycle, I pray, Father. I feel like you're in the end of a cycle, and I pray, Father, will you complete this cycle? Wherever you are, if you pray in the spirit, just pray in tongues wherever you are right now. And as you pray in the spirit, something's going to open up. And, and Father, I just release right now. As you pr continue praying in the spirit, I just want to make some declarations over you right now. Father, I just release greater faith. I just release right now fresh vision. I just release, Father God, just a holy dissatisfaction for the current state. I feel some of you will start feeling such spiritual hunger like it was like, oh, the beginning days. It's the Lord getting you ready for another phase. It's the Lord getting you ready for another cycle. I feel like it's like the Lord is setting you up to go into another sphere. So Father God, I pray right now for just a holy dissatisfaction, a hunger to leave comfort zones, Right now, Father God, even larger. The Lord wants to enlarge your dreams. Enlarge the vision. Enlarge the dreams. Greater boldness. I just declare over you greater boldness. Father God, as we come before you this morning, this, this afternoon, Father God, will you put in us greater boldness, Father? Authority, power. That's what I pray for. Vine life this morning, Father. More, God. Wherever you are, just ask for more. Just ask for more wherever you are.